and my family. He could do something much worse. Tonight at 8.45 on WLIW 21. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wachenheim III, Sylvia A. and Simon B. Poita Programming Endowment to Fight Anti-Semitism, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, and by Janet Prindle Seidler, Jody and John Arnhold, Cheryl and Philip Milstein family, Judy and Josh Weston, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the JPB Foundation. Good evening and welcome to Metrofocus. I'm Jack Ford. One of the most important figures in the fight for civil rights may well be someone who you have never heard of. Pauli Murray, a lawyer, activist, and writer, was ahead of their time. Murray refused to give up a seat on a bus 15 years before Rosa Parks famously did. Argued that separate but equal was unconstitutional 10 years before the Supreme Court reached that very same conclusion. And Murray was one of the first lawyers to argue that women should be protected equally under the 14th Amendment. In addition to being a trailblazer professionally, Pauli Murray was a trailblazer personally, never conforming to traditional gender roles and paving the way for queer and gender non-conforming activists to come. A new documentary titled My Name is Pauli Murray, streaming now on Amazon Prime, tells Pauli Murray's story largely in Pauli's own words. Here's a quick preview. There are some people who now argue that you cannot teach American history without teaching about Pauli Murray. Pauli was a writer, a lawyer, a priest, a poet. Pauli was a feisty woman. My name is Pauli Murray. My whole history has been a struggle in a society dominated by the ideas that blacks were inferior to whites and women were inferior to men. Pauli was way ahead of the times. I chose for my senior paper, should Plessy versus Ferguson be overruled? My little argument went to the Supreme Court. Y'all see all of the different folks that are in this room? That is made possible by Pauli Murray. If you rip away everything, oppression is the business of not respecting one's personhood. My first two years, I was the only woman in the law school. They didn't even let me talk. Thurgood Marshall is talking about Jim Crow, and she says, what I'm experiencing is Jane Crow. Polly Murray was not just an amazing lawyer or a badass feminist, but also a queer non-binary person. Sitting in front of Murray's notes, the turmoil and the suffering, this is a feeling I know well. Scholars who have written about Polly largely still use feminine pronouns. I don't know what pronouns Polly would say. 
trans and gender non-binary people have always been a part of our American context. So did y'all just think that your generation invented it? If this country is to survive, we must live together in harmony. Holly may not have realized they would be a beacon for so many folks. Holly's time had not come. We have to work for a world in which it does come. You say, I can't, I'll show you I can, even if I die trying. And joining me now to discuss this new documentary and the life and legacy of Pauli Murray are the award-winning co-directors of My Name is Pauli Murray, Betsy West and Julie Cohen. Betsy, Julie, pleasure. Always good to have you here with us. Nice to see you, Jack. Nice to be here. So let's start off with, with the question that is always asked of people involved in, in documentaries, and that is why this subject, Pauli Murray, and why now? Betsy, you start. Yeah, I mean, when Julie and I were making the documentary RBG, uh, we learned that Justice Ginsburg gave Pauli Murray credit for coming up with the very innovative idea of how to uh, win equality for American women. And it was really after that that we looked into Pauli, and it didn't take long to discover the incredible sweep of this person's life, the influence on you know, the civil rights movement, the writing, the poetry, the fact that Pauli Murray became the first female identified African-American Episcopal priest later on in life. I mean, and so many more things. We were just kind of amazed and thought, why didn't anybody tell us about this person? Uh, and that was really the beginning of thinking about making a documentary. Each chapter of Pauli's life was is so fascinating. It kind of feels like it could be a documentary um, in and of itself. Um, but of course, uh, Polly Murray had been gone for 35 years when we started our project. So we started doing a little research. So the question was, would there really be the material to do a kind of living, breathing film about this person? And that question was actually answered, in effect, by Polly Murray, who had saved not only 141 boxes worth of papers, legal writings, drafts of things, personal journals, but also more than 800 extraordinary photographs, both of and by Polly, and more than 40 hours of audio tape recording in which Polly is, you know, telling this incredibly rich life story. We later came across some video, but we sort of launched into our project once we started hearing this remarkable audio of this incredible historical figure describing events you know, kind of in, a, in this evocative language that made you feel like you were there and made you feel like, you know, you were, you were a student of Polly Murray, in, in effect. You know, it's interesting because you, you say, why didn't we know about her? And I mentioned this to the two of you beforehand. So, you know, I, I, I graduated from Yale. I've been teaching at Yale for 15 years now. And Yale fairly recently named one of its brand new residential colleges after Polly Murray. So you talk about in the film, went back to the law school for a doctorate. And when they were talking about different names, I remember that I, I knew something about Pauli Murray, but not much. And when I when I delved into it and found all the things that you talk about now, you know, you, you knew the lawyer part and the civil rights activist, but the poet, the priest, 
all of these layers of polymery that you didn't know about, I think were just astonishing. So let me come back to what you talked about here because the film opens up with this sort of a home movie kind of thing, I guess you could call it, of Polly Murray talking. Why did you decide in terms of, of uh, the structure of the documentary, not to have a kind of a voice of God narrator telling the story, but sort of letting Polly Murray tell the story? That's it. Yeah, I mean, that was a very deliberate decision. As you noted, Jack, we really wanted this to be in Polly's voice because Polly's voice was so amazing. And, you know, when we found that video, which was actually a kind of, you know, an interview that a student had done in the 1970s talking about, you know, feminism mostly and, and Polly as an Episcopal priest, and it had been dropped off at the Schlesinger Library in Harvard, but nobody had ever digitized it. When we got it digitized, first we saw all, you know, the quality is not great. We were a little disappointed, but then when we saw Polly's smile and the sort of, you know, off interview impromptu moments with the beloved dog and you know ferociously typing on the typewriter we felt that it was really a way to help bring this person alive and to to show the the human being behind you know what is an extraordinary biography so yes it was a pretty deliberate decision to lean into polly one of the things i want to ask and julie let me ask you this is that we, we talk about her gender non-conforming way back when. And I'll ask you a little bit more about that in her writings or, or perhaps the absence of her pub, pub, public writings. I say her because you see in the film, you see family and friends using she or her and they and there. Right? So, so that sort of illustrates what we're seeing in the film. So... In, in looking at that, why did you decide, generally speaking, to, to come down on one area, the they and there, as opposed to the she and her that we hear some of the people using in the film? So it's a tough question. We actually, um, you know, Polly, going back as early as the late 30s, was approaching doctors saying, I think I'm a man. I understand that I present and I'm considered in your records to be a female, but is it possible to give me testosterone treatment? Could you do surgery and check whether I might have undescended testes? Um, questions that were scientifically actually not incorrect at, at all as, a, as, as something to, uh, right. to explore. But at the time when there was no language or understanding of transgender people, uh, the doctors basically completely dismissed Polly, said science isn't in keeping with your conclusions. We have no idea what you're talking about. A very painful experience for Polly. We understood Polly, you know, it's a tough position to look back into history. Polly most likely, certainly was gender nonconforming, most likely was either a trans man or perhaps a non-binary uh, person. We chose sort of not to make a decision for the film. Every time that there's writing on the screen identifying Polly, we just call Polly Polly. The mm. people we interview in the film, anyone who knew Polly in life, and Polly crossed paths with a lot of amazing pillars like like RBG, like Eleanor Holmes Norton, who knew Polly as a woman and call Polly her. Um, however, today's trans community, many of whom feel a deep connection to Polly as like an incredible historical gender non-conforming person 
whose history really means so much and could have done so much to learn in school feel that using they them creates a more expansive uh, identity for Pauli that allows, you know, kind of for multitudes as, as um, Raquel Willis, one of the trans women in our film says. So it, it's, it's not, it's actually not a question we will ever know the answer to if Pauli were alive today, what would be the pronoun choice? Um, so we're all just kind of doing the best we can. And when we're discussing it, try to call Pauli Pauli as, as often as possible, because that is a name that Pauli Murray most assured, born Anna Pauline, most assuredly chose um, in early adulthood and kept throughout life. I think one of the fascinating parts of, of so many fascinating parts of this film, and, and you alluded to it, is the intersection of Pauli Murray and Pauli Murray's life with so many other luminaries in, in the, the civil rights movement. Uh, you talked about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and attributing things to Pauli Murray. Um, I, I will ask about, let's talk about Thurgood Marshall, all right? Thurgood Marshall, we know, becomes the, the first um, Black justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Pauli Murray comes in contact with Thurgood Marshall early on in both of their careers. Tell that story. Yeah, I mean, in, in 1940, Pauli Murray was traveling from New York, where Pauli lived at the time, down to North Carolina, where Pauli had grown up with a friend. And they cross the border into Virginia and are told, as is the custom and the law, to move to the back of the bus. When they move to the back, the seat there is broken. And so there is an empty seat a little bit forward in the white section that they move into. The bus driver goes berserk, pulls over, calls the police, and they are arrested. So Polly reaches out to the NAACP and after, you know, night in prison, wounds up meeting with Thurgood Marshall and other lawyers, which is really her Polly's first introduction to the workings of the law. And they're strategizing about how to fight this case. I mean, Polly and the NAACP, you know, ultimately would like to overturn these laws, but it becomes a smaller case when the judge just dismisses that aspect of it and just says, look, you guys were disturbing the peace and, you know, time served and goodbye. But that was sort of the beginning of Polly's interaction uh, with the NAACP and with Thurgood Marshall. Later on, uh, through Polly's professor at Howard Law School, uh, Polly learns that the thesis that Polly wrote about fighting Plessy v. Ferguson and just basically ripping apart separate but equal the argument that there can be no equal when there is separation, an argument that in 1943, her classmate, Paoli's classmates and professors were laughing at, this very argument is made by Thurgood Marshall in Brown v. Board of Education and Polly's professor tells Polly, you know, yeah, we dusted off that thesis and uh, and used it. it. It's almost as if Polly Mary was, and, and by comparing to a film, a movie, I don't mean to diminish the accomplishment, but almost as, it's almost like Polly Mary was the Forrest Gump, if yeah. you will, and, and showing up all of these places and, and interacting with all of these significant names in the in the civil rights movement. What What then prompts Pauli Murray to decide, all right, I, I'm going to be one of these Thurgood Marshall champions. I'm going to go to law school myself and see what I can do about that. How does that come about, Julie? Yeah, well, Pauli's decision to go to law school in the early 1940s 
um, stemmed from a number of things. Probably after graduating from Hunter College in New York, had applied to get a master's degree um, at the University of North Carolina. Um, a university, by the way, where Pauli's white ancestors, because Pauli had mixed, uh, racially mixed uh, background, as is so common um, in the South and elsewhere. Um, one of one of Pauli's ancestors had actually been a trustee of UNC. Pauli sees that that UNC is starting to do some classes dealing with the issue of race in America and thinks, hey, maybe this all white university is ready for a black student, applies for a master's degree, gets a quick letter back from the president of the university, university saying the constitution of the state of North Carolina and our school prohibit black students from entering this, this college. Um, but very straightforward, not like there's no euphemism here. It's like, no, you can't go, you're not welcome. Polly is justifiably outraged, writes letters of, of protest to papers and all, all, all kinds of things. Then the um, shortly thereafter is the arrest on, on the bus. And Polly's thinking like, what do I do next? At this, at this point, Polly is essentially a labor activist and um, thinks, you know, the thing that needs to move forward um, as Betsy mentioned, Pauli's attempt to fight the bus jailing by saying we should overturn all segregation laws is, is basically thwarted within the legal system. But Pauli's still thinking like this, this may be the way to go. And what I'm going to do is now go to the preeminent civil rights law institution in our country, Howard Law School, where Pauli um, was at first one of two and ultimately the only woman student uh, in, the, in the class. Um, and which will give me exposure to the great civil rights legal minds of, of the generation. Um, the Thur Thurgood Marshall, who was teaching at Howard at the time, um, as well as Spotswood Robinson, uh, another of the great NAACP legal minds. It, it's again to see her progression. And, and once again, a reminder, we're talking about the new documentary titled My Name is Pauli Murray. Um, airing, as I mentioned, on Amazon Prime, talking with the award-winning co-directors Betsy West and Julie Cohen about all of that. So she decides, all right, I'm going to take this path. She, Paulie, they, Paulie, decide I'm going to take this path and, and sets off to, to Howard Law School. And even in law school is, is an activist. And, and the film, again, talks about a... a, a sit-in earlier than the sit-ins that we all seem to remember here. Talk about that. Yeah, it, it's the early 1940s and um, Polly leads a group of students from Howard in a protest of restaurants in the nearby neighborhood, U Street, which are segregated. And they go in and politely sit down and over just a couple of days, the restaurants relent and they are opened up to African-Americans. Um, it really is uh, way ahead of the times, you know, 17 years before the sit-ins that we know about in the modern civil rights movement. Um, you know, but the other thing that's also happening with Polly, which maybe you'll get to, is that Howard Polly is experiencing sexism. And that kind of leads Polly also in another direction. Hey, I came to this place to fight discrimination, which I'm doing both in class and, and with these outside activities. And I'm being treated like a second class citizen because I'm a woman. Yeah, talk about that a little bit more, because again, Polly goes to Howard Law School 
And you talk in the film is that she's just one of, uh, you know, just a very small or one woman there. And you would think, all right, this would be an embracing environment because the school is educating black lawyers. And yet Paulie runs smack into this, uh, another barrier. So, so how was that all handled, Julie? What was the reaction? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know what, what? I think one of the things that really spoke to us in this story is how much it kind of was a precursor to the same kind of uh, discrimination that Ruth Bader Ginsburg faced at, at Harvard uh, about uh, 18, 16 or 17 years later. Um, you know, uh, at, that, at this time, Harvard wasn't accepting women at all. So um, Polly shows up at Howard Law School, shows up in classes, has a lot to say because this is a brilliant legal mind and is raising, you know, raising a hand in class. And the professor just doesn't call on Polly. Like that's, that, that's how that is, is dealt with. And Polly, who grew up in an extremely woman embracing, woman respecting household, uh, raised uh, mostly by women, is really taken aback by this. Like, Coming, coming to, I came to this place, you know, for the forward-thinking civil rights atmosphere, and here I am being discriminated against. Ultimately, Polly kind of pushed through this with, uh, with genius, basically, score being the top student in really every environment Polly entered. And eventually, as Polly says, like, well, you know, after I'm getting, you know, you know, top of the class, Murray, 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 because they posted the grade. So all the students know, like, okay, the second year, they let Polly talk. I mean, there's another brief story that that, that we did, didn't tell in the film of Polly in one class where they're, you know, Polly's being disrespected is tutoring a blind student. And at the end of the semester, scores come out, number one, Polly Murray, number two, the blind student who Polly tutored. And that's actually what allowed Polly to be um, the president of the class because they normally the rule was first in the class gets to be the president. They weren't going to do that with Polly, a woman, but that 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 changed and, and uh, Polly got that honor as well. And coming out of Howard as the top student, Polly runs into another obstacle that would not have been there for a, a white student or a white male student, right? Tell that story about where the top student would, would have an opportunity to go to Harvard for something and how that played out for Polly. Yeah, well, Harvard had a program where every year they took the top student at Howard Law School for additional study at Harvard to get a master's. And um, so automatically it would have gone to Polly. But once again, Polly gets a letter from the administration saying, we're terribly sorry, but uh, your uh sex prevents us from accepting you. We, Harvard does, Harvard Law School doesn't accept women. It will be another sort of decade before Harvard opens up to women. So there Polly is again, winds up going to uh, Berkeley Law School to get the advanced degree and actually then becomes the first African-American assistant deputy attorney general, of California. Uh, so you know, moves on. I mean, that's the thing about Polly's story that's so incredible, like defeat after defeat, obstacle after obstacle, and yet there's, you know, innovation, creativity, just push beyond, and and and, and it's pretty thrilling to see how Polly faces challenges and comes up with either a legal theory or an unbelievable poem or some other way to just push through. You mentioned the poem, and I was very much struck by, by the 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 
the, let's call them the lyrics of the poetry. <laughs> yeah. He wrote. And and they were they were musical and magical and and so important and relevant. And again, a part of the Paul and Mary story that I knew nothing about. The, the poem and the, and the poetry. Uh, it, it, how important was that? Julie, to, to, to Polly's makeup, to who Polly was? Uh, I think Polly would say that was at the core of who Polly was. Um, you know, we include a great moment in the film where Polly's being interviewed in 1970 by a public radio uh, poetry host and introduces Polly as a lawyer turned poet. And Polly says, no, 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 I'm a poet turned lawyer. As far as Polly was concerned, and we have interviews where Polly says this, um, being a writer and poet was what Polly would have really wanted to do. What led this incredible writer into activism and law was just having to, realizing like I have to fight these obstacles that are being placed in, in front of me. Like Polly would have rathered uh, spend life writing poetry, writing memoirs, as, as Polly published uh, two incredible uh, memoirs, a, a personal one and a family one um, in the 1950s, and then one posthumously in, in, 19, in the 1980s, as well as this volume of poetry, all of which are getting published by major publishing, getting fantastic reviews. Um, like this could have been one of the great 20th century writers had it not been for all of the thwarting by, you know, the often racist and sexist institutions of, of our country. You know, there's so much, we have about a little bit less than two minutes here, but there, there's so many great elements to this documentary. The relationship that Pauli develops with Eleanor Roosevelt, um, I think was fascinating. So uh, it, it's a marvelous film. Real quickly from each of you, what, what did you learn? that you didn't know coming into this, that you would you take away and that you hope the viewers will take away from this. Betsy, you first, real quick. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Polly's persistence, Polly's creativity in the face of obstacles, uh, you know, I just found that so moving. I mean, here was a person who just kept a kind of optimistic point of view, kept pushing and, and kept succeeding in, in Polly's own terms. I think, to me, I think to me, Polly is a reminder of how much we don't know and understand about our own American history. Um, this isn't, you know, Polly's story is incredible. We would be surprised if Polly was the only magnificent figure of the 20th century that isn't taught in schools. And it's just a reminder of how much digging we still need to do to teach our history fully and correctly. Well, once again, the, the film is called My Name is Pauli Murray. It's, it's airing on Amazon Prime. It's a, a marvelously compelling uh, and illuminating story about a person who we don't know about and we need to know much more about. Betsy West, Julie Cohen, it's always a pleasure to see the two of you and you always bring marvelous products with you. Your filmmaking is just so, um, so wonderful. So thank you so much both for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you about your next one. You both be well now. Thank, thank you, Jack. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wachenheim III, Sylvia A. and Simon B. Poita Programming Endowment to Fight Anti-Semitism, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, and by Janet Prindle Seidler, Jody and John Arnhold, Cheryl and Philip Milstein Family, 
Judy and Josh Weston, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation. Hello, I'm Consuelo Mack. Every week on Wealth Track, we sit down with the best minds in the investment business, great investors and financial thought leaders talk to us in depth about strategies you need to build and protect your wealth over the long term. Join us on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. Tonight at 7.30 on WLIW 21. Tonight at 8 on the WNET Group Stations on 13 Washington Week on WLIW 21, McLeod's Daughters on NJPBS, Father Brown, on All Arts, Olympia, on World, The Burren, Heart of Stone, on Create, Ireland's Wild Coast Continues, on 13 PBS Kids, Curious George, Back to the Jungle. Go to WNET.org watch for channel information. Blight overtook Europe in 1845. The potato crop is wiped out in one week. It led to a famine that killed a million Irish. Horrendous choices to me. The only option was to bury them in mass graves. Historians uncover the causes. The famine is not an accident. Basically, condemnation to starvation. The whole system killed people. Disaster from every perspective. Hunger, the story of the Irish famine. Wednesday night at 9 on WLIW 21. The sniper has held Melbourne under siege. The shootings are getting closer together. I need your help. Dr. Jane Halifax, there is something else going on. Analyze everything. Someone sent me a letter. Beware, lovely Jane, for a terrible retribution is at hand. He wants us to know how powerful he is. A threat was made against me 